double check the face. Oh, I gotcha. Um, okay, ready? Yeah. Alright. Want a countdown? Yeah. Alright. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that had to major in Sanskrit because our college didn't offer Dothraki. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is your friend, my brother, Peter. Here. <laughs> so, Peter, before yes. we get going, do you realize what today is? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, actually not sure. It's July 11th. Okay. So, one year ago, tomorrow... Is our one year anniversary? Oh wow, that's awesome! So that's crazy. when I say tomorrow, <laughs> because the calendar has to adjust itself to the following year, technically one year ago today is yeah, our one year I gotcha. anniversary. Nice. Um, when I realized that, I thought to myself, you know, what we should be doing is we should have um, our behind the scenes guys here. We should have brought in guests. We should have made a big deal oh, out yeah, of it. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of how things are right now in the world of our lives being crazy, it didn't work out. So maybe we'll do a postponed. Let's get our guests in. Let's do a big, like, big, like roundtable yeah. episode. I don't know if that'll work. So to my to our listeners, I don't know if that's gonna happen. But yeah. today's our one year anniversary. I think it's awesome that a year down the road, it's still consistent. We're still going strong. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Um. So are we doing a clip episode this time? Or yeah. Something? This, this is this is our clip show. No, no we're not. But- it's we're, awesome that we made it this far, and like obviously, like we're really grateful to all, all our listeners. Yeah, so like that's that. what I wanted to do. So first off, um, thank you so much to our listening audience who stuck with us, who have grown with us, who whether you started from the beginning or whether you found us throughout the year or whether you're just finding us now. Thank you so much for tuning in because we wouldn't be here. One, we wouldn't be here if it, not for you guys. But then again, technically, we'd be here anyway because. If we weren't if we weren't <laughs> recording this, these conversations would still be happening. Right, like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear about it. I don't know. We're still <laughs> we're still doing our podcast. Um, I also want to thank our guests that we've had on. Uh, we've had a couple repeats. Our brother Scott's come on a couple times. Uh, friend of the show Bryn, she's come on a few times. We really appreciate you guys coming on, especially when Peter had to take a couple weeks off when his baby was born. Um, it, it's just a really it's really nice to know we have that community and we can reach out and fill the void where we can uh we also hope you guys um enjoyed that uh our special episode last week our batman 30th anniversary episode that was kind of that was a lot of fun to do and we hope to do stuff like that again when we have big milestone movies um two guys i want to thank um before we get going that are very they're behind the scenes guys that don't really get recognition one of them is ryan he handles all of our audio he handles all of our editing anytime like we cough he tries to cut it out um sometimes that doesn't work sometimes it does but he puts together all of our music he puts together our sound bumpers he does all the mixing for us and it's something that that's a huge huge job and i always feel guilty when i hand him the next episode because i know it takes a little bit of time out of his day but he says he loves it and i can't thank him enough so and peter peter and i both we cannot thank you enough for doing what you do so ryan i know you're not here tonight but thank you so much the other you ryan (laughs) yeah ryan ryan when i told him tonight was the one year anniversary episode he's like oh man i can't be there and i'm like it's okay man we all have lives uh the other guy i want to thank that we've never talked about on the show and he does some really heavy lifting behind the scenes is our cousin Brian. So we have Ryan who does audio, and Brian does the other behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes. Up. Brian, at the very beginning of the show, he was the one that kind of answered a lot of my questions in terms of tech, in terms of putting the website together, in terms of getting the Twitter and Facebook lined up, in terms of all this stuff, like what we needed to do. 
Um, he ha- he really helped, and he's still helping in the background. He helps me post episodes. He's there when I need stuff. If we need to change a logo or whatever, he's always like a phone call or a text message away. And um, he's one that I really wanted to have on, and he would have been fun to have tonight just because it's a one year anniversary. Yeah. But he's in Michigan right now enjoying a vacation. Oh. So that's another reason why our <laughs> my uh, my big roundtable idea wasn't going to work. Right. So anyway, Brian, I know you listen to the show. Thank you so much for what you do. It. Uh, it makes a huge difference, and I don't know if it's something that could ever be repaid. So we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, ditto. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, absolutely. So one year we made a thing, and here we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, let's – there's a couple things we need to talk about before we hit news because we took a week off, and there is a ton of stuff to talk about. Sure, Some yeah. of it will blow through pretty quick, and some of it we have some things to talk about. So if I'm talking fast, I apologize. I just feel <laughs> like we have a lot to get through. Um, so first off, uh, San Diego Comic-Con is in one week. Um, we started the show a year ago, and like right after we started, it was Comic-Con. Is there anything you know that's coming to Comic-Con that you're really excited about? There's oh, one thing that I'm excited about that no, I know is coming. That's a great question. Um, I honestly don't know, like because uh, I know Marvel... and. I, so I haven't seen the most recent Marvel movie, but I know, like, from what I know, like, everything, the future of Marvel seems to be a big question mark. And DC's been doing so much weird stuff, so that seems to be a big question mark. So I'm I'm going to Comic-Con this year. Not actually going, but going into Comic-Con. Not really knowing what to look forward to, but I think that's really exciting because... I, every time, every year when it's Comic-Con time, I'm always, like, glued to my phone, glued to my computer, trying to catch every update I can, and I know there's going to be some, like, unknown gems to me in there that I'm just going to, like, really enjoy. So what about you? What are you so looking there's nothing, forward to? there's nothing small under the surface that I know about, because yeah. a lot of times, like, like, the show Infinity Train I talked about last year, it's apparently starting this fall. Mm-hmm. So, like, they talked about it a year ago. Apparently, it's actually starting in the fall. So until it starts, I'm not going to get a chance to see it. But that was like a golden gem that kind of snuck under the radar. It's like, yeah. oh, this is cool. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah, right. Um, last year, Marvel sat Comic-Con out. They didn't go. And they didn't go for a very good reason. They had Endgame coming out, and they couldn't talk about it, right? So, yeah, DC's going to be there, and they're going to be showing off what they're doing. But I think all eyes this year are going to be on Marvel. Because they said they were going to make no announcements until Spider-Man came out. Well, Spider-Man's out. Time yeah. to make the announcement. And what's the better place to do this? At San Diego Comic-Con Hall H panel. Yeah, I remember um, last year was DC's time to shine, and it's it probably going to be Marvel this year. And it's so. going to be Marvel this year because everyone wants to know what the next slate is. What is Phase 4? What's the next chapter? Do you have a villain you're going to explore? Like, what is it? you got to tease us. And even if they don't answer those questions, they're, they're supposed to at least tell us what the next movies or the next lineup is in the order that they are intending. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Um, the other thing that I'm really looking forward to is um, not Marvel, not Marvel's layout. I just, it's just, oh my gosh, it was just on the tip of my mind. Uh, man, oh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh yes, I actually am looking yes, forward to Kevin this too. Smith, Kevin Smith is bringing the trailer to Hall H, <laughs> and they're going to show it. So hopefully we get to see it at home, and he doesn't save it for like a con exclusive. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be Kevin Smith's style. He wants everyone to see. Yeah, it. no, I'm so, so excited for that. That's actually I did notice that a couple weeks ago, and Kevin Smith put that on his Instagram that it was going to be he, the. The trailer was going to be premiering at Comic-Con, and I'm so excited for it. Um, Another thing I just thought of is I know uh, San Diego does this weird thing where it seems like they 
import in like one manga creator every year like one year they'll just get like or every year they'll just bring one like manga artist or writer creator or whatever and this year i'm pretty sure it's the uh creator of akira is going to be there signing autographs and stuff so i mean if i was there that would be really cool to see but maybe i'll catch an interview online or something with the guy so right well what i think is interesting about marvel coming to comic-con this year is that um they have to give us a slate at Comic-Con, but one... Gotta remember, Marvel's owned by Disney. One month after Comic-Con is D23, which is Disney's shareholder convention. Disney likes to save announcements for the shareholder convention. Yeah. So they could very well hold back some big bombshells for D23. So please keep that in mind when you go into this year's San Diego... Um, when they start making announcements and news starts dropping, they could be holding something back for D23. It happens all the time. Um, so just remember that. If you're like, man, they didn't show us, you know. No, um, and I, I expect that to happen, yeah. definitely. So let's move on because we got a lot to cover. Um, did you, what did you watch in our um, little break? I watched uh, Stranger Things 3. Have you, you had, had a chance to watch this I haven't yet? had a chance okay. to touch it. So this is funny. Yeah. You watched Stranger Things 3. I haven't had a chance yeah. to watch it. I watched Spider-Man Far From Home. You haven't had a chance <laughs> yeah, to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, let me ask you this, because normally I feel like uh, I liked it slash didn't like it could tend to technically ruin things, because it creates a precedent. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Um, did you like Stranger Things 3? I'm okay with asking that because it's a television series. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was... I don't think it's my favorite season, and a lot of people are saying that, but I... It's up there. I mean, I know there's only three seasons so sure. far, but I was glued to the screen. I finished the series in two days. <laughs> like, it was awesome. There's uh, aspects of it that I actually really love. Um, I don't want to say too much. No, you can't, the, I know you um, can't say too Here's the thing. This is a show that I feel like, unless we are both fully versed in Stranger Things and we're willing to give a spoiler and you yeah. and I can have a conversation, we can tell the listeners, hey, you might want to pause for a few minutes. It's okay to say, I don't want to spoil Okay, this. I will say, you felt that the second season, uh, the structure of it followed kind of the same... It had a very similar structure to the first season, and you felt like it felt a little formulaic, correct? No, I felt... So, Stranger Things Season 1 has... A, yes, the whole thing has a sci-fi edge to it, but... There's one specific episode in Stranger Things Season 1 that is the turn where it goes from the 80s style thing to hardcore sci-fi. There's one episode right. where it has the where it really is the turn. Yeah. And that's what exact and in season 2, it's the exact same episode that takes it from that 80s style like movie that we all love and turns it to be hardcore sci-fi. Right. And that's exactly what I meant. I guess I was just going about it more vaguely describing oh, okay. it. I feel like and the thing is like with Stranger Things 3 the pacing of the whole thing is way different. Okay. Um and I feel like you might like this season better because you won't know what to expect going in. I'm not sure though, but the pacing overall is what I don't know if I liked about the season, but everything else I liked. But everybody I've seen talk about it online seems to love the pacing this time, so it might just be, I might be an isolated case. I just loved the first two seasons so much, but sure. it's definitely a good watch. It was definitely worth the wait, and I'm excited to see what comes next. So Yeah, all right. How Very is cool. Spider-Man? So, <laughs> overall, I really liked Spider-Man. Right. Um, and that's kind of all I want to say. 
Um, I will say this. If, I haven't I haven't heard a bad thing I about this movie, actually. I actually have one issue with the movie, but I cannot talk about it on air until you've seen it, and then we can have a legit <laughs> conversation. Okay, fair so enough. So I'll keep that alone as it is. Um, I'm not going to do like a bonus thing at the end of the episode where I sit and talk Spider-Man for a minute, but I do have I have one bone to pick with the movie. I'm very curious to see where they go with this moving forward. Um, and yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. I will say um, that I liked it better than Homecoming. Um, yeah, and that's kind of about... Oh, if you haven't seen Endgame... By all means, do not go see Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. Far From Home. You need to see Endgame because if you're not, it's going to heavily, heavily ruin some things about Endgame. Okay. Um, they, they talk about some things in Endgame way longer than I expected them to. So, yeah, definitely don't see it if you haven't seen that. So, okay. And I'll nice. leave it at that. Um, okay, let's talk about some news. Some of these we're going to roll through pretty quick. Okay, uh, First off, um, I'm not going to... Yeah, uh, nah. Well, all right. No. <laughs> So, did you see the movie The Big Lebowski back in the day? Um, I this is like another one that I think people are sh- gonna shake their heads, but I don't think I've seen it the whole way through. I've seen oh parts, my but gosh. I don't. Okay, so to to be honest, it's all right. Like, that movie has a crazy cult following. I know. And, I know it's a movie that everybody has told me it's amazing. Everybody says it's great, but I see stuff for the movie and nothing about it excites me or interests me. It just looks like. A bunch of old guys hanging out every time I see something for it, and I know that's probably kind of what it is. But I maybe it's just I haven't sat down with the right group to watch it. But I don't it's know. the Big Lebowski is a really funny movie. It's basically about a guy. So there's a, a this millionaire who has the last name Lebowski, and then you have Jeff Bridges' character who's just a guy who likes to go play go bowling with his friends yeah. in the bowling league, whose na- last name is also Lebowski, and it's a case of they confuse Jeff Bridges for the millionaire and. The adventure begins because something bad happens, and he's like, "But that's I'm not the you got the wrong Lebowski, and you know all that kind of stuff." <laughs> yeah, um, it's the movie. The movie's great, but the movie also has a cult following behind it. Um, so news set uh, news released that they're gonna do a uh, spinoff of the Big Lebowski. It's a new film um, called Jesus Rolls. That's gonna be the title of the movie. And it's starring John. It's all based around John Turturro's character in the movie. So if you're a Big Lebowski fan and you know what I'm talking about, um, it's supposed to come out uh, in 2020. It's set for a 2020 release date. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I cool. thought that was. Cool. Is it? A, it's a movie. You said it'll be a movie. Right. Yeah. I'm, I I can say I'm kind of happy to see it's not a TV show because I feel like that's the newest trend is just make TV shows based on yeah, movies and everybody's doing it. Um, so yeah, Big Lebowski spinoff coming. I just thought that was cool. Um, let's talk about Game of Thrones prequel details. Did you hear about these? Um, vaguely. I, I didn't, like, I know there's pr- details that have been released, but I didn't delve super deep into them, because... It's, it's a very quick thing yeah. from George R. R. Martin. I just, because we're both Game of Thrones fans, I'm like, ooh, let's pull yeah, it, let's discuss yeah, real sure. quick. So George R. R. Martin reveals more Game of Thrones prequel series details. One, the Starks will definitely be there. It takes place a thousand years before the events of the show we just finished watching, so you're going to see early Starks. I'm kind of hoping we get to see Brandon the Builder. Um, he's the Stark that actually... Um, that's the Brandon Stark that built all the castles along the wall. Um, so East Watch, Castle Black, all that stuff. Yeah. He basically outfitted the Night's Watch. Uh, so the Starks will definitely be there. The Casterlies will be at Casterly Rock. 
Uh, the Lannisters are not in the show as yet, which means I'm willing to bet we get to see the changeover for the ownership of Castle Rock and the Lannisters join the fray. Cool. Um, based on that statement. Um, White Walkers, Direwolves, and Mammoths. That's the, that is it was the, just an incomplete sentence. That, yep, <laughs> okay. that, is, <laughs> that is all we're getting. Um, those are the details. So. Nice. Okay, that sounds awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, mean, it's one of those things. I mean, we're that, all in, right? Yeah, I heard there's details released, and I'm excited for it. I just kind of want it to be a surprise, too. So I was just like, all right, cool. We'll yeah. see where this goes. So. All right. Want to talk about a funny one? Sure. Do you play the game Uno? I mean, doesn't everybody? Yeah, <laughs> I like, feel like everybody does at some point. Yeah, I mean, I don't play do it as... regularly play no. Uno? <laughs> Neither do I. Okay. Um, every now and then it pops up, you're at a party or you're at camping and someone's like, ooh, let's play Uno, and you know what I mean? So, um, I am not... I didn't... I'm a big gamer, like I love board games. I lo- when I say big gamer, I'm not referring to Monopoly or Clue. I'm mm-hmm. referring to like I want to play tabletop games. I want to play Warhammer. I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. I want to play Star Wars Imperial Assault. I want to play Risk. I want to play like really crazy, complicated games yeah. with my friends. Um, so, so I don't think to myself that the rules Nazis of the company that creates Uno is a very hardcore on the rule. I thought this was hysterical that it made the news. Okay. Like legitimately made news and they had to issue a statement about it. So, um, here's the ruling. You cannot, so if you're an Uno player, I just thought this was funny that it made it. That's the only reason to bring it up. So you cannot stack draw two and draw four cards. So here's the official statement from Uno. If someone puts down a plus four card, you must draw four and your turn is skipped. You can't put down a plus two to make the next person draw six. Okay. We know you've tried it. I feel like... <laughs> that, that's the direct statement. I feel like I knew this, though. Like, I, I don't know why this is new as I feel I like. didn't know it was that big of a thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think Uno is also a game that everybody has their own house rules and it doesn't really I know. matter. So. <laughs> I know. That's why it made me laugh. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I feel like... I'm not, here's the thing. I don't know if I've ever tried stacking a plus two on top of a plus four. <laughs> um, I just know that when after reading that, clearly someone tried it or clearly so, someone tried it in like an online version of the game or something. And yeah. That's where it, well, I've played it in the... I've played it where you don't make the next person draw six, but if you play the same color draw two, the next person has to draw two, if that makes sense. Sure. So like they don't add up i guess but yeah that's an interesting one but yeah i think i knew the official rules what makes me laugh is that this had to come out of a sanctioned uno tournament somewhere <laughs> and a yeah. ruling came up somewhat it broke out into an argument and uno as a company had to step in and go hold on this is the actual ruling <laughs> no i mean i i do like that though seeing yeah. them actually step in um you were mentioning uh, simple games versus more complicated games, and you don't think about Uno when it comes to, uh, you know, I'm a big gamer, I love Uno. You know, that statement's kind of weird, and it kind of reminded me of... Uh, oh, no, I, I like Uno, <laughs> but I don't think to play it yeah. because I think to play, like, a thousand other games <laughs> No, right. First. It kind of reminded me of this funny thing. So uh, I have a friend named Mike who... Uh, he's this really awesome guy who's a huge gamer, and he's, like, hardcore into, like 
tactics and stats and like really complicated games like what you're talking about. And I have a group of friends that uh, would have game nights every once in a while. But he is such this my, this friend of mine is such a big gamer that between like the setup times for these really complicated games we'd be playing, he would bring simple games to play in between because he just always wanted to be playing a game. So between like while they're setting up the next like big crazy complicated convoluted board game he'd be like playing backgammon with somebody or <laughs> no it's somebody else i'm just i thought that was really funny the idea that like well i got to get as many games <laughs> possible in before this night is over so <laughs> right um yeah, no, I just I just thought it was funny yeah. that this hit the news. Like of all things, <laughs> the news. Now um, was it was it like network news or yeah? Just, okay, <laughs> that's why it made me laugh. And then I had to go look for the <laughs> statement and all that right stuff on. and maybe legit look it up. Um, you a RoboCop fan? Yeah. Okay. Did I you... mean, as in everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw the original three. I love the first one. The second one's pretty good. The second one's directed by Irvin Kershner, who directed Empire Strikes Back. I actually Back, didn't so, know that, you know, but that's awesome. Um. Did you see the remake? Yeah, the Joel Kinnaman remake. Did you like? I never saw it. What do you think? Oh, really? I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I think it's one of those movies that if you go in with the mindset, I'm gonna compare it to the old ones, you're gonna maybe not have a good time. Uh, but I think if you go in and you're just like, okay, this is a reboot, but think of it as its own new unique thing, it's actually a pretty enjoyable movie. So. Oh right. On. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So. Okay, I haven't watched it yet. I was planning on watching it, um, but now I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it because apparently we're getting another RoboCop mm. reboot. I don't know if it's a sequel or if it's a straight remake again, um, but it is going to be done by Neil Blomkamp, who is the director of <clears throat> District Nine. And yeah. Elysium. Um, District 9 is a phenomenal movie. Um, definitely one of my favorites the year it came out. Um, well, I assume you've seen District 9. Yeah, I, I, I like District 9 a lot. I, uh, I I don't know if I've seen any of his other movies. I know he did, like you said, Elysium. And I think, Elysium uh, was really good. I think he did Chappie as well. And... He did Chappie as well, which was also really good. Like, yeah. everything that got... To, and I don't know if it's an issue of storytelling or maybe it's the visual like language of the film, but... Like his movies all have a visual style, and yeah, so, you know, you he know, you're, like, you know, going into a Neil Blomkamp movie, how it's gonna look. But. Yeah, he's got a cool, like, realistic sci-fi aesthetic to like everything he does. But like, it's all like really gritty. So yeah, that'll be cool. I think he'll be good at doing RoboCop. He's definitely a guy who's okay with gore and doing gross things, which I think some of the fans of the old movie might appreciate more. I know the newest version. A lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't like as gory necessarily as their sure. originals. Which, um, see, the thing is, my opinions on it is like the old RoboCop cop movies when they came out, like blood and guts and some of the uh, language and stuff in the movie that was like edgy. But in twenty whatever, you know, twenty fifteen, sixteen, whenever the other robot ro- or the newest version came out, that stuff's kind of just old hat, like. It doesn't yeah, really yeah. push any boundaries, so I can understand why they went PG-13 with the newest one, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens yeah. with this one. Um, all right, so I'm going to kind of jumble the rest of this together. Um, huh. So real, so we'll talk some DC news, and then we'll roll into this thing. So apparently Robert Pattinson is still Batman. Yeah, I keep hearing that. So I found that I found a couple reports that said he's officially out due to scheduling conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about because 
confirmed he started his training for Batman. Yeah, his Toys R Us interview didn't go too well. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. So right now, apparently Robert Pattinson is still Batman. Great. We're getting a Batman. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I was fine with it. I just thought it was weird that I saw these reports that he's not, and now apparently he is. And that's the thing. You make time to be Batman. You don't you don't take an independent film over yeah. Batman. You go and do Batman to get the paycheck, and then you go do your independent films. Um, so wh- how whatever happened, fine. He's Batman. Great. Let's move on. Right on. So just to clarify these weird reports, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so if Robert Pattinson's Batman... We're getting, apparently, Vanessa Kirby, who is in the new Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw film. Mm-hmm. She's also in Mission Impossible Fallout, um, is in talks. She's up, she's one of the lead, she's one of the top names on the list for the role of Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Kirby, I really enjoyed her in Mission Impossible Fallout, even though it was a small role, I really enjoyed her. Um, it was kind of cool to see her in the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw. I look forward to seeing her in Hobbs and Shaw. I have no problem with this casting idea. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, um, I uh, I've I only have her performance in Mission Impossible to base off of for this, um, which I thought she did a really good job. I think I'm excited. I when I heard she was cast as Catwoman, I think there's just something in my head, just like okay, that makes sense. She kind of has a kind of a cool edgy uh, look to her, and I think that kind of. I feel like that for some reason I associate with Catwoman for whatever reason. So yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see. All right, now let's talk about something controversial, and I'm curious what your thoughts are because okay. I'm mildly okay with this. The Joker movie comes out in October. By the way, seeing the newer, does they released a Joker trailer in front of Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Um, again, this movie looks so special, but. Todd Phillips, the director of The Joker, has confirmed that the upcoming Joker movie uses no content or information from the comic books. And he's not sure how it's going to go over with the public. Oh. Now, what do you uh, think about this? Uh, it sounds like uh, the most recent Fantastic Four all over again. <laughs> I don't know. I See, the thing is, I kind of feel like... Okay, so we just talked about 89 Batman with Tim Burton, and I feel like a lot of people talk about nowadays that Tim Burton didn't draw a lot of inspiration from the comic books for that movie. He drew a lot of inspiration from the 60s Batman show, actually. And I feel like this might be the one of those cases where the Joker is cemented as a just kind of this figure in pop culture that you can be a big fan of him, and know a lot about him without necessarily delving into the comic book world. And I don't know if it's a case of, like, he's just drawing inspiration somewhere else, or if he is just saying comic book sucks, comic books suck, like, completely ignoring that. I don't really know what to think, necessarily. This is where it gets gets me on two fronts on these points. One, it concerns me that they didn't use any existing content from the comic books in terms of inspiration. Yeah. Is the Joker that iconic that we don't need a comic book to tell us what it is? Maybe. But, um, is it okay to tell a story like that? Sure. The thing that I'm okay with is that when I go see a comic book, like Avengers 1, one of the things that really bothered me about that is, um, do you remember the uh, Ultimates 
yeah. uh, thing that Marvel did. They kind of did a rewrite of a bunch of different things. They had Ultimates, yeah. which was the Avengers. They had Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, and they were geared towards new readers. Yeah. So you could just jump in and start reading. Ultimates 2, Volume 2, cover to cover, is the first Avengers film. Okay, yeah, I know and, exactly what And I remember getting to the end of that going, I can walk over to my shelf and get one book off my shelf and go, there's the movie, really bothered me. Like, it really, really upset me. However, when I watched The Dark Knight, it's a conglomeration of, like, four or five different Batman graphic novels. So I'm watching this movie, and it's familiar territory... Yet I'm not sure where they're going, and the surprises along the way until yes. we get there. Yeah. Okay. That I really appreciate because they tried to go familiar for the comic book people, but they tried to go different, so everybody goes on the journey together, and we're all kind of getting the surprises yeah. together. No, I completely agree with everything you're saying right now. So uh, with the Joker, my thing is is that I look at it going well. Um, I have no basis for comparison if it is not based on the comic books, so I just have to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. And maybe I'll walk out going, that was awesome. I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of things going on here. Um, Drew, I think you and I both really love comic books, and we hold, like, a comic book story at a high regard, where I know a lot of people don't necessarily take comic books seriously, or as seriously as they should, even though nerdy stuff is much more mainstream than it used to be. There's a lot of people who think, like, on the hierarchy of uh, different kinds of entertainment, like, movies are at the top, or books are at the top, and then maybe TV shows, and then comic books is somewhere down the line. For me, it's, like, kind of all at the same level. Like, I just want to see a really good story. And because of that, if there's a comic book version of the story that already exists... I don't need to see it again because I don't take I don't think movies are any better than comic books. I think like I think I can get just as much enjoyment out of a comic book as a movie. So I don't need to see it retold as a movie if that makes right. sense. Um, so that's a big reason why I've always felt like I like when movies do new things. I like when they take characters from the comic books and maybe use aspects about them but maybe change some things maybe add some new plot lines because then i'm seeing something new and that's my favorite thing is like i don't want to see a movie just retread stories we already know i want to see a new thing so i think your point is actually very good like i like, totally agree like I, I want them to pull from the comics a little bit yeah i want it to be something that i don't know yeah i want the familiarity but i you know so i'm really curious to see where this is gonna go yeah and that's just and that statement makes me want to go even more than no i I think that's a really good point and that's a really good way to to look at it so okay now the joker might not be drawing from the comic books but netflix is about to (laughs) um netflix is going to do a sandman television series Okay. Thoughts on this? Did cool. you ever read the Sandman? Uh, not much. I, yeah, I, I know it's like that legendary kind it's, of It's again, um, Sandman came out around the time that Watchmen was hitting, and yeah. it's this legendary, like, cult following comic series that they've been trying to find a way to put into. I think, has Netflix been working with uh, Neil Gaiman a lot on different projects? So this or? is really interesting yeah. that I've discovered um, because there's some, new, there's some more news that we're going to hit here. So. This is kind of crosses a couple different things. Um, uh, the um, 
So Sandman, Neil Gaiman, and Netflix are going to do the Sandman television series, which is the best place for it to be, not a movie. Do it long form. Do it as a series. Awesome. Here's the thing. Sandman is a Vertigo Comics property. (laughs) Vertigo is owned by DC. Mm -hmm. DC is owned by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has the DC streaming service, and they're about to launch their own streaming service called HBO Max. Yeah. Okay? This is like Game of Services up in here. I know. (laughs) So, why in the world would Netflix get Sandman if Warner Brothers is about to launch their own streaming service? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, it's a bill, give or take. It's It's a money thing. Okay? We have to launch this thing... And you guys, if you're going to pay us this amount, you guys do the legwork and get it going while we launch yeah, it's, this it's thing. Yeah, it's licensing, Because basically. it'll help us pay for this thing that we're going to launch. Okay, so it's like, yeah, DC. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's Netflix like, has licensing rights to do Sandman from Warner Brothers. Right, okay. exactly. So that's why it's going to, and I'm like, why would this not be your flagship thing for your <laughs> streaming service? But I totally understand where they're going. I think Netflix has done a good job of... Netflix goes niche. Like, a lot of their shows are just very niche. They pick up these weird properties, you know? Like, they're making a new Dark Crystal series. Like, what's more niche than that? And I think Sandman fits in with Netflix's weird, like, independent movies and TV shows thing. And I think... uh, Maybe it's just too far off the grid for Warner Brothers to be like, this is our flagship series, you know? Maybe it's just too weird, and I kind of don't mind it. I think Netflix does some amazing things, but it does some bad things, but I... I mean, I'd have high expectations for this one. I don't know. Right, I know. Here's the thing. I'm really excited. I will be watching it. My butt will be in a seat. Yeah. I just think it's interesting about the issue of who owns what in that <laughs> yeah it's super but no they're working directly they're, they're working directly with neil gaiman so it should be good yeah let's talk about this one um thing real quick and then uh we'll move into our list okay Sound I, good? Mean, I think we might have missed one sorry <laughs> no yeah i know you're looking at the thing um so like i said warner brothers is releasing their streaming service okay. hbo yeah. max because warner brothers owns friends Friends is being pulled from Netflix in 2020, spring of 2020. Yeah, so all you people every, everybody's want, been talking about this. Yeah, so for all you people that are Friends fans and you've been watching it on Netflix, it is gone in 2020. Sorry, that's just the case it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be moving to HBO Max, the new Warner Brothers streaming service. Now, a couple questions arise. So here, I have an official statement about the service, but I did find out that as of right now, the DC streaming service, DC Universe, will still remain by on its own a thing. It's not being engulfed into this new HBO Max. It's not being removed. It's DC Universe is staying its thing. Cool. I have a feeling it's because they have their digital comics as part of it. Yeah. I I really do have a feeling that's the big reason it's sticking around and it's not being engulfed. So here's the situation. So Warner Media announces upcoming streaming service will officially be named HBO Max. Warner Media also announced new details of Warner Brothers Television and others for HBO Max that include exclusive streaming rights to all 236 episodes of Friends, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Pretty Little Liars upon launch. HBO Max will become an exclusive streaming home to new Warner Brothers produced drama for the CW starting in the fall of 2019, including the upcoming Batwoman television series starring Ruby Rose. Now, here's what I found out. So for those of you who are watching the CW DC shows... 
that is still going to stay on Netflix for now. There's clear. There's a contracted. Um, there's a contract in place that they can't deviate from as of right now. So I have a feeling eventually, the CW shows will be removed and right. put on this HBO Max. But Batwoman will not be on CW at all. It'll be strictly on HBO Max. So for those of you cord cutters out there, it's another streaming service you'll have to buy into. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we're getting to that point where. Cable's cheaper than streaming services because there's so many streaming yeah. services. It we're, really is. The bubble's going to burst. <laughs> we're we're getting to the point when people are needing to cover their walls with flow charts and newspaper clippings. and like, what's on? What channel? Where do I find where one? To watch your shows. <laughs> I know. Uh, also in the announcement, previously announced projects being developed for Warner Brothers, Warner Media's HBO Max include a Dune series centered on an order of uh, women known as the Bane uh, Gessert, if I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, furthermore, Warner Brother Media's service will also include uh, Gremlins' Secret of the Mogwai, an animated prequel series revealing the origins of the cute but dangerous creatures. <laughs> yeah, I heard about this. This sounds super fun. <laughs> right? Uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like it's going to be more of an adult uh, cartoon, but I'm not really sure. Either way, I'm definitely going to want to be watching that one. So Yeah. So anyway, I mean, that kind of... That's a big ball, so H, uh, they're basically coming out with a new... Um... The the weirdest thing about the whole story is why did they go with HBO Max for the name? I have a feeling Warner Brothers, I really do think this, and I, and I got to do some more digging because I was curious about this as well. I have a feeling that Warner Brothers is the parent company of HBO. Mm. So, uh, Pretty Little... I'm sorry, uh, Pretty Little Liars? Yeah, Pretty Little Liars. I have a, There could be an issue where... Um, some HBO shows may find their way over there yeah. just to get people to go, oh, wait, that's a this, and then cross-platforms. Yeah. You, you know what I mean. I can see that happening because, like, uh, Netflix has the uh, rights to some of the Showtime shows. Like, Shameless goes on Netflix. Um, I know uh, a Showtime show I really like, House of Lies, that ended up on Amazon. So there's licensing things out there. So mm-hmm. kind of got to look at it, you know. I, I just I think Warner Brothers is the parent company of HBO because HB because Warner Brothers owns DC, all of the DC movies eventually are on HBO, so it's almost like you can tell who if you pay attention to your cable provider, yeah. or however you're watching these things, you can almost see who's getting what. That's a good kinda point. Kind of shows I never you licensing. That, but yeah, kind of yeah, shows yeah, you licensing a, really a little bit. Yeah. Because um, until uh, because until. Uh, this whole Disney Plus app was coming, and like the Netflix situation where Disney was yanking content. Stars had the Disney license; they were all the Disney movies, all the Marvel films ended up on Stars. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of you can almost see if you just look at who's doing what. <laughs> yeah. So if you read between the lines, and, if yeah. you read between the lines, you can kind of see that you can almost see the contracts yeah. right there. You can see the equations and flow sh- charts forming above your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You want to talk the list this week? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, so it's list time, so you know what that means. Ryan, roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay. Uh, time for the list. Um, what do you, uh, you... This was your idea. Yeah. So go ahead and tell so us what we're doing. And- I picked 1999 because it's a... We kept talking about things ending this year. Different, like, franchises endings, doing, like, you know, TV series finales, all sorts of stuff. 
1999 just seemed like a logical pick um, because it was the end of the, uh, you know, the last century. And uh, I didn't really know any movies specifically that came out this year. I knew that a lot of them would be things that I grew up watching or that came out when I was like right around eighth grade ish, where I just like was really excited about certain movies. Maybe I wasn't old enough to see them. I think because of my age at this year, there's probably a lot of great movies that I was just either not interested in at the time or just didn't get to see. But yeah, I think it's a fun, fun list. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I, when you said 1999, one movie immediately hit my brain and I, I know what year that is. Okay. Okay. And that's Star Wars Episode One. Right. Okay, that is the first movie I thought of because I'm such a Star Wars fan. I know the release years for every Star Wars film. <laughs> right. I have them memorized. Yeah. It's literally like a it's it's like a weird Rolodex in my head. If you say name the year for this movie and it's a Star Wars movie, I can tell you exactly when it released. Um, so I knew that one for sure. What I do know is that I decided. So I went back and I was like, "What year was this?" That was a freshman in college, and I clearly watched way more movies than I thought. So and. So, because I do these stats every time we do a year, in the year ni- 1999, I watched 107 movies. Nice. Just out of the year 1999, I watched 107 of them. Um, I guarantee they weren't all in theaters, but it's 107. And the best picture that year was American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I wanted to get that. I, I By the way, I hate that movie. <laughs> I, know, I, remember, I know we all try and be super positive yeah. and we try and talk about things we like and stuff, but I hate that movie. So I remember watching it, I think, when I was in college and I enjoyed it or thought it was interesting, but I feel like it probably ages really weird and I don't know if I would like it as much anymore. So Yeah, I know, I know there's some people out there that just love it and it's the greatest thing ever and it's fine to each his own, but yeah. man, I cannot stand that movie. <laughs> um so, uh, honorable mentions, I guess it's, I, do I start? Yeah, I've got two of them. I don't know how many I have. I have two as well. Okay. Um, because this was your pick, I guess I have to go first. Um, my first honorable mention is Eyes Wide Shut. Cool. Um, did you ever see this movie? No, I never saw it. Okay, this was Stanley Kubrick's last. There is argument that um, I um, AI was Stanley Kubrick's last film, but Stanley Kubrick passed away in the middle of filming AI, and Spielberg finished the movie. I never knew that. Yeah, That's and if you know, crazy. and if you know the director, if you know the director visual styles really well, like I do, you can actually tell where Kubrick's direction stopped and Spielberg's picked up. Now, is the movie shot in order though? Because I feel like most movies aren't. They they did yeah. right. This one sure feels like it was shot. We heard it. It was okay. kind of like, hey, this is what he hasn't filmed yet, and it's all yeah. the ending, and you know. But you can tell where Spielberg comes in and Stanley Kubrick steps out. So he passed away in the middle of shooting that. So the last one that he directed that it was just Stanley Kubrick was Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of the most bizarre movies you'll ever see um, in terms of what, like it's Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, they're a married couple. Something happens that causes them to have a fight. And then Tom Cruise goes on this really weird adventure in the film of, like, this weird, like, sex cult conspiracy thing that happens. <laughs> right. And he's, like, yeah. feels like he's being, like, hunted down by these people. You know, it it gets bizarre. But if you watch real closely, there's a secret to the movie. And I do not want to say it. I don't want to spoil it because I think it's better if you try and figure it out on your own. And if you know me personally and you're like, I drew, I watched that movie, I didn't get it. I'm gonna tell you the secret. Go rewatch it, and you're gonna go, "Holy cow!" And all like it's 
It completely okay. blew me away when I just figured that out. I was like, cool. wow. I really got to watch this one. I remember this movie coming out, and I didn't have any idea what it was about, but I was at an age where I just wasn't old enough to see it, and I've never gone back to it. But it looked really weird, and I think I'd really enjoy it knowing about the whole, like... I don't even know. Like, I like things about, like, conspiracies and cults and stuff, so I think I'd really get into the because, mystery of the whole thing. Because of the mystery behind it, because of some of the symbolism and metaphorical stuff that Stanley Kubrick put in the movie, it's it's such a well-made movie. Yeah. And I think it gets a bad... It's got a bad reputation because of some of the subject matter more than anything. So, um... But yeah, seriously, like, that's... Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Okay, awesome. Uh, that can go to my first honorable mention, which is the complete opposite end of the <laughs> spectrum and that's uh disney's tarzan oh, so right. uh this movie i really like um the story is uh very familiar i i don't think the story necessarily does a lot of new things but i feel like you and i are gonna have very different i think lists, so too but i will be shocked if we don't match our number one <laughs> Ooh, I'll, I have a feeling I know what your number one is. Okay. And I'll be very surprised if we. Okay. Um, no, but what I was saying, like with Tarzan, what I love about this movie is the art that goes into it. Like it's Disney, you know, the animation is going to be good. But I like, I really like the way the characters are drawn. I think they're really like edgy and cartoony, but they're not necessarily too abstracted. Like they got a cool, like realistic cartoony vibe, and I like how. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, like, the vine uh, swinging in this movie all was based off of extreme sports. So it yeah. was based off of... Surfing and skateboarding. Yeah, and and rollerblading. Yeah. And if you know that, you can see that all over the movie. And it makes a really cool, like, interesting way that Tarzan travels around the jungle that I've always loved. So. I always thought that was really cool. And it made me... And when I found that out, it made me re-look at the film. Yeah. So um, it made me, like, because I watched the movie, I was like, yeah, I was all right. And then I found that out, and I was like, whoa, I got to go back and watch this movie. And <laughs> it's it's really cool. So um, was that your... That's your, my first honorable okay, mention. So my, so. so my second honorable mention is The Ninth Gate. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I've seen this You've one. Seen this? Yeah, this one is, uh, I like this movie. It didn't make my list, but yeah, it's um, good this, stuff. I really liked this movie from the get-go. I remember the girl I was dating at the time really didn't <laughs> right <laughs> she's she, you could tell she was getting bored and upset and i'm like this is amazing basically johnny depp plays a like a book collector or like no he's he he gets books for collectors but they're like old like really old like we're not talking like we're not talking like a century old we're talking like thousands of years like actually trying to find old books perfect quality like mm -hmm. he's, he's basically one of those guys is a cyclopedia mm -hmm. this and you can like you, you see him go into these old school libraries and the books are just so cool looking and it's like you, you barely want to touch the pages and like yeah. they have like this special weight and like that musty smell all right, can you tell I'm a book person? <laughs> um, but no, like, have you watched? Sorry, have you watched you on Netflix yet? No, not. Okay, yet. you you gotta watch that show. I know. There's a lot of just like book porn and in, built into oh. that show because the the main character owns a bookshop and he has like a archive of like classic like vintage books in his basement and he talks about like the bindings and how he has to like rebuild certain books from scratch and stuff and it's I think you'd like it since you're into okay. that sort of thing. So. Well. In the ninth gate, Johnny Depp. Um, I'm only. I'm only. Usually, honorable mention should be. <laughs> yeah. Should be a quick review, but I have to explain this because I feel like this is a movie that skirted under the carpet so well, not a lot of people saw it. But he's tasked to go find a book that was written by the devil himself, written by Lucifer, 
and there's three copies of the book, and this guy who has one of the copies wants to make sure that his is the correct copy, like it is the official copy. And Johnny Depp finds out that all three are the correct copy because there's similarities yet differences, but they tie into each other like throughout the series and he's contrasting and comparing yeah. it but all this bad stuff's happening along the way like you know because if you use the book properly you can actually summon the devil like really cool <laughs> it's just a really cool movie um, uh, you're so. making me want to watch this again I remember being a kid and uh, you and Scott watching this movie a lot and I remember seeing it like kind of in parts and putting it together and eventually I saw the whole thing but I remember when I first saw it thinking like it just felt like something like so evil to me or something like something like I shouldn't be watching this movie but I can't look away and it's like I don't know it's really cool in that way so. no just the idea of what was going on it was yeah. a really cool movie oh so. yeah I definitely agree anyway what's your other honorable mention my other honorable mention is a, another one where you're going with this like really intricate like intellectual story about books and mine's again at the complete opposite end of the sp- spectrum and it is Idle Hands oh. so this movie is uh Another movie that came out and I was too young to see, but I thought it looked so cool at the time. Idle, like, Idle Hands is the first movie where I noticed Jessica Alba. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, that. this movie came out, and the age I was, I didn't even know why, but I was like, this movie looks cool. And I think it's filled with so many, like, late 90s tropes, you know? And, like, they even have the all- offspring that's, like, playing at the school dance and stuff like that, but... The movie's so fun. Like, it's just, like, kind of, like, a funny, dumb, like, horror movie. Like, I think this movie's really enjoyable. It's about, you know, that, uh... It's about, basically, this really slacker, like, stoner teenage kid who ends up, uh... You know, idle hands are the devil's playground, and because he's that much of a slacker, one of his hands becomes possessed, and, uh, chaos ensues from there, and I just think it's, like... And let's just write up my alley with just kind of the horror and the gross out effects and the humor. I don't know if you have any thoughts about it. No, I just, that's, how about this? It's the movie I noticed Jeffrey Alba for the first time. (laughs) Right on. Um, No, it's a fun movie. It's just, that's that's the most memorable part of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, So that goes to my first pick, right? Yes. Um, Great. So my first actual pick is Office Space. Okay. Um, I, this, this, I assume you've what, seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. This almost made my list. This was a very hard list to actually narrow down. Um, I it, it was a very hard list as well, but it it also made me look at rewatchability. Oh yeah. And of this list, the, what movies would I? Desert Island top five movies from this year that I would take. These are probably the top five movies I would take. Oh, you know what I actually, mean? That's, that's yeah, kind of I mean, how that's kind of how I looked at it. That's how mine actually so. is too. Um, Office Space is a movie that, sorry that I'm kind of like. Oh no no no! Go ahead. The movie's fantastic. Like we could look, we could do a whole show where we just quote Office Space. Right. So So, (laughs) Office Space is a movie that I saw and I uh, enjoyed it. Like I liked it, and I was a teenager when it came out, or when I finally saw it, whatever. And I thought it was awesome. It was funny. But then years later, I watched it as an adult. And that movie got so much better because the things that are happening to the characters of the movie I've experienced firsthand now. And it's so accurate and funny, but also depressing. And it has like a really cool sort of uh, dichotomy that way. And I think it's just brilliantly written. I think it's great. I think like pretty much everything Mike Judge has ever done is awesome. So this movie's like a great pick. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I don't have too much to say yeah. more about it, but <laughs> Mike Judge is fantastic. The writing in this is great. The timing of the comedic delivery of the lines, it's just, it's so good. And you can't not quote this movie after watching it. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those movies that if it's on, I stop and watch it. You stop flipping channels. Like, oh, Office right, Space right, is on, and you yeah. stop and watch it. So. It's got a great soundtrack, too. Yes, um, it does. <laughs> it's got a wonderful But uh, that's the only thing I would say about that movie is, like, if you watch this movie as a teenager and haven't for years, rewatch it, because it might remind you, like, more than you'd like to admit of, like, your current life as an adult. Sure, so. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, what's your first pick, man? Okay, so my first one, or number five, I should say, is Dogma. Dogma. So this is a Jay and Silent Bob movie. Any year a Jay and Silent Bob movie comes out, it's probably going to be at least within my movie. honorable mentions. So. This is another one that, like Office Space, I saw it. I thought it was funny. It was great. But uh, the rewatchability with this one happens with me where you watch it and you realize, like, Kevin Smith actually had something to say about Catholicism and about religion and about how people interact with religion. And it actually has, like, some really good points in there while being, like, this goofy like comedy you know so um that's pretty much all i have to say about it you know i otherwise i just really love jay and sound yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head one yeah. of my favorite moments in dogma is the opening monologue that matt damon has to deliver when he's talking to the nun about comparing, oh, yeah. comparing alice in wonderland to catholicism <laughs> it's one of my favorite opening piece and i'm a big alice in wonderland fan in terms of like the novel yeah. and then he's got this whole big spiel on it's just Awesome. Have you ever heard of, uh, like, I've heard in Kevin Smith's podcast where he's talked about the making of Dogma and how there was, like, a lot of action scenes planned? Yes. Okay, so, and, like, to put a long story short, basically, anytime Kevin Smith had an action scene planned for the movie, when it came, finally came down to filming it, he was like, no, this action stuff is boring, and he made all the action happen off-screen and focused on people talking about what's going on, like, right. instead of showing the big crazy fight scene, which I think is really funny and definitely plays into his style. Another funny joke that Kevin Smith had was about Dogma specifically is, if you want to play a drinking game while, while watching Dogma... Just take a drink anytime somebody jumps on another person's back. And he was cr criticizing the fight scenes that actually made it into the movie because that happens like a number of times where somebody just Man. jumps on somebody else's back because that's all that they could. <laughs> now I got. Now I, I got to go watch Dogma again. Right. Because on. I don't know if I ever paid attention to that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Dogma in a while, so that's good. I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> um, all right. So my number four is The Matrix. Okay, nice. Okay. Uh, so this this is a movie that really changed the way, okay, we kind of thought about the world. You know, are we really, like, just slaves to a machine and all that stuff? I mean, that's one way to look at it. But one of the things about The Matrix is, is that in 1977, we had Star Wars, which rewrote the book on um, special effects. And then... And, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, how did you do that? And we had to learn. And, and they started spilling the guts, like, how they did all these special effects. And we started learning all this stuff. And then in 1993, Steven Spielberg releases Jurassic Park. And, again, it changed the world in terms of special effects with the, with the use of the CGI to create the dinosaurs. In 1999, two things happened. Star Wars Episode One came out, and it showed you what CGI really could be pushing it forward to what we have today. And I'm yes, I am talking about Jar Jar Binks, because that was the first fully realized CGI character. Mm -hmm. But 
the way they blended practical effects with CGI going forward. But here's what The Matrix did, is they invented this thing called bullet time. Okay, and basically the idea of bullet time was they, the, the camera rigs they had to make. If you ever go and see some of the making of The Matrix and like bonus features and stuff, the camera rigs they had to build to create this new effect called bullet time. And the whole idea was is that everything on the camera is moving so fast, you visually have to see it in slow motion to understand what's going on. So anytime the movie does anything in a slow motion sequence, it's actually happening faster than you can visually look at. So it's all slowed down so you can see it. That's why you see the bullet lines, you see the trails or the shots. And they call it bullet time because you get to see every bullet move on screen when it happens. Yeah. And they use the sound effects too. So when a character is fighting another character, even if it's a fist fight, the sound effects are designed to show you how fast they're moving, even though it looks like they're moving at normal speed. Yeah. It was brilliant in terms of showing us something we've never seen before. And even though The Matrix is kind of maybe gone away in terms of its like popularity because it sat on a pedestal for a really long time. Um, even though that's kind of dropped down in our eyes a little bit, that first movie holds up. And because of the things they did with that in terms of the special effects creation, the bullet time I just talked about, the ideas that they brought forth of the apocalyptic world that was taken over by machines and then we're actually slaves to those machines how metaphorically it is to today with us being slaves to our phones and our computers and our lap and you know our devices like we're we're technically like moving towards that anyway um yeah so i i have so much to say i think this this is like an amazing movie like i love right. the matrix like it's so good um everything you said about bullet time is like so right on like it was this amazing new kind of action that we'd never seen before. And it really excited like the world, you know, at the time, but not only that, but it's still like taking effect today. Like some people right. said, like they saw wonder woman and they were sick of seeing the slow motion stuff. I hope, I hope the slow-mo action stuff stays. Cause I think it looks awesome, but it's something that went on and it's like still affecting how action movies are made today. But not only that, like the matrix, the way it looked, the way that certain characters could float and do things in action scenes that weren't really realistic, that carried over into like every other action not movie. Only, not only that, if they did anything that was unrealistic, they explained why it was unrealistic. Yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of other action movies that came out of the time, at the time just took Matrix stuff and put it in their, me right. their movie, even though it didn't necessarily make sense. Wait, don't even get me started on the movie Wanted. <laughs> And, right on. and they're ridiculous action sequences. <laughs> but it still looks cool, and it was kind of interesting to see how Matrix, the Matrix influenced everything else in that way. But even take it a step further, like, the aesthetics of the movie, the costume design, like, affected all the other movies that came out afterwards. Yeah. And the Matrix, like, in a weird way, defined, like, the early 2000s um, just from being such a unique thing. Um, but also what you're saying, what the movie has to say, I think is just really cool. Like, I think it's one of the more important movies that came out of this year just because of what it says about technology, um, about like what you might not know about the world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then lastly, like I just think the way The Matrix is shot is very, at least the first movie, it's very intricate with all the hidden details in the movie, hidden meanings. Um, like there's the part where uh, 
Neo's sitting in the back of a car, and I can't remember who he's talking to, but there's rain on the window behind him, and the rain actually mimics the sort of, like, green computer code that you see all over the computer screens in the movie, and there's lots of little, like intricate details and all of them carry actually carry weight because they all have meaning like uh when neo first wakes up from being in the matrix and uh that little like chamber thing he's in gets uh suctioned like all the fluid gets suctioned out and he basically goes down this weird slide thing into this pool of water before the uh this weird claw thing brings him out when he looks up uh he actually sees three lights above him and uh so I took this, I'm going on and on, oh. but I love this movie. I took this English class, and we actually watched The Matrix, and we talked about a lot of the symbolism in it, but the teacher pointed out how the three lights above him actually represent the Trinity, or you could view it that way, and there's a lot of weird, like, religious symbolism in the movie as well that comes into play with the whole prophecy and the chosen one, and it's just kind of, I love the movie because you can pick it apart so much, and you can find all these little details, you know, like... The name Neo can is like a, the letters flipped around can also mean one. You know, it's the same spelling. And all those little details, I think, make it for, like, such a cool movie and such a good experience, regardless of what you thought of the sequels. So, right. Sorry for the huge tangent. No, but it's yeah. totally fine. Yeah, so my pick was The Matrix. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, Moving what's on your, from, yeah. yeah. What's your number four? <laughs> Moving on from... Uh, evil technology that's controlling us all uh we could move into mine which is the iron giant which is about a giant what a lovely movie yes um this is a movie i've talked about this a lot um i don't remember which episode but this is just a great movie it's a really cool story about a kid who finds a robot um little did he know that the robot hit his head um and he's a friendly robot but i think he was actually sent here to destroy the planet or whatever and it kind of follows a lot of those classic story tropes where the kid where a kid meets a friend or a pet and then he has to keep the pet hidden because the military wants to take it out and it does a lot of those things but it's just a really cool movie the way it's animated looks really good too and it's just it's just one of those movies like i don't know one iron giant hater like how can you not like this movie you know and that's just kind of that's kind of where i'll leave that like i don't know one person who doesn't like it I yeah don't same yeah another movie that came out this year that's kind of like that is uh in in 1999 october sky came out which didn't make my list but that's another one where it's like how can you not that like that movie like it's just so good yeah. and there's like nothing wrong with it so. yeah and for those of you people who uh complain that ready player one misrepresented the iron giant that that's not the iron giant was not the character of the iron giant in that movie i think uh some people need to like learn nuance and like think things through before just going through with like unabashed rage rage you know like like you said iron giant and ready player one isn't the actual character it's just a recreation of that robot in the game so uh yeah yeah all right um, okay, so my number three is Boondock Saints. Awesome. This is a great pick. Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic movie. It's such a fun movie. It's a wonderful story, uh, and it makes you want to go hunt down some bad guys. Yeah. At the end of the movie, it really does. But And the one-liners are great. I liked the sequel. I've never seen um, the sequel, actually. I know a lot of people hated it, but it's fine. Like, that's a tough movie to follow up for, but, um, yeah. you know, Norman Reedus from Walking Dead, that's where he came from, like, you know, yeah. so. I think this movie Speaking of Walking Dead, did you hear the comic book ended? 
Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that's she, not wasn't in the news I, segment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it wasn't, but yeah. issue 193, Walking Dead, just it's done. So the show's going to continue on for whatever it does. But Walking Dead, the comic book, is when over. Did Walking Dead start? I feel like it's like a whole decade with issue of, one. No, I mean like, <laughs> what year did it start? Oh, I, I feel like idea. it's been a good like ten years at least. Yeah, I have been no going idea. On. Well, it's issue 193, so one issue a month, so it's 193 months. <laughs> How about that? I just didn't know if you knew off the top of your head, but I know it's been at least 10 years, which yeah, is kind of yeah, yeah. awesome that it kind of defined the, like, 20 teens or whatever you want to call it from a comic book, book standpoint. But, uh, oh, right, Boon, Boondock, Boondock Saints. Saints. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's basically a bunch of guys, two guys, two brothers who get into a fight and they're wronged and some mob guy comes and tries to kill him and they end up killing him instead and then they basically go on this adventure of we gotta strike back at the bad guy so they're almost this weird like vigilante thing but they're like but it's interesting because every time there's a murder the cops are like but they're only killing bad guys yeah you know what I mean it's not like they're you know what I mean and they can't figure out who's doing it (laughs) it's just really great like mystery slash not a mystery because you know the whole time and I love one of my favorite parts is at the end where they show the news broadcast and they're talking to people in the streets about what they think about these guys and they're all like yeah I'd do it too <laughs> you know <laughs> that's actually I forgot about that part but that's one of my favorite uh, tropes in movies is where they interview the people in the streets and get everybody's different perspective um, but one thing that this movie does that's really innovative that I really appreciated is uh so Willem Dafoe is like the head detective trying to catch the Boondock Saints or whatever, and uh, there's I don't know if it's multiple parts or if it's just one part where he's going through a crime scene and he's describing how the crimes took place or how this like shooting he took does. place. The other and thing that's really cool is right before he does his description about what happened, is he puts on headphones and he listens to classical oh, yeah. music and he kind of like in his own mind kind of travels through the crime and then takes the headphones off and goes, okay, here's what (laughs) happened. I forgot about that. I actually forgot about that detail, but that's really cool. But as he's describing what took place or what he has deduced, the actual crime scene is being shown happening around him. So it's like he's describing it, and then in real time you see what actually did happen. And it's such a cool little, like, I don't know, it's a pretty innovative way to show that in a movie. I've never seen that anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I love this movie. I can watch it a thousand mm-hmm. times. And um, I know Ryan hasn't seen the movie. I let him borrow it. I know he watched like half of it. Oh, I, so, I just feel I don't know how I you feel like Ryan would thing. love it. But uh, Ryan would love yeah. it. So, Ryan, I know you're listening. There's a lot of good uh, sound clips from that movie, too. Like, I remember uh, there's a line from that movie I say often while leaving work. And I just can't say it on the podcast. So. <laughs> Fair enough. I've heard a lot of uh, bands like use uh, sound clips from like that movie, like in songs or like as intros right. to songs and stuff. And it's just super fun. So, yeah. All right, man, what's your number three? My number three, um, I don't know if this is messes up your list prediction, but it is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, it, does not, um, it does not episode mess up my okay, list. Okay, fair enough. Um, this movie is, we just talked a lot about The Matrix and uh, how influential The Matrix was on action movies at the time, and really just like everything pop culture at the time. Episode One, I feel like, was, but... So many people, I don't even know how to say this. I feel like episode one was just as influential, but it was kind of like more under the radar in the way that George Lucas really pushed the special effects on this movie, where he was developing like new technologies to show how like 
character's clothes will wrinkle in a new way in CGI that has never been done before, but it became more realistic. And just a lot of that sort of computer effect stuff, I think, was pushed so much in this movie that it actually did go on to influence a lot of things, but it also aged a lot better than a lot of movies. What well. a lot of people don't understand about the prequel films, especially episode one, and people, like, complain... There are complaints that there's too much CGI in the prequel films yeah. and in episode one, but what a lot of people fail to realize is that there are more f- practical effects in episode one than any other of <laughs> Star Wars movie that was done. That's interesting. I and didn't they, realize and that. And they blended it. So, for example, there's a scene in episode one where um, the camera pans over the pod, pod race arena. Mm-hmm. There's a big camera. The camera literally flies around some rocks, and it shows you the entire pod race arena right before the big race. The whole pod race arena is one set piece. The whole thing's built. It looks like it's CGI, yeah. but the whole thing's built. And the crowd... Every person in the crowd in the pod, pod race arena is a Q-tip with a different color, <laughs> painted <laughs> a different great. color, and it's just one giant sweeping shot, and you you don't even realize yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, that's like, it's cool because that's like a seamless uh, combination of an actual model seamless. and CG, and the thing is, Star Wars has been doing that for years, like... The old, the original trilogy, like they had, you know, those like scenes where it's like a space like battle scene, and it looks realistic even though it's all models, and it's kind of cool, just what you pointed out, like that combination of the two and it actually working so yeah. seamlessly. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. And this movie, um, this movie specifically, I, I, I just don't think people give it enough credit in terms of what it did for the industry. People forget what George was doing because for him once he made the one, two, four, five, and six and he has to, and now he's going to go back and do one, two, and three a, four, five, and six pushed the industry so far it got him up to this point and he's doing three more movies that are going to push the industry again Yeah, and people forget that people don't look at it that way um what I do know about the year 1999 is that no matter what happened that year the only thing anyone thought about was Star Wars it was just Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. It was everywhere. It was Star Wars mania. Yes. Star Wars was suddenly back. You couldn't do anything. It was on the it was on the uh, store shelves. It was in the toy stores. It was on your T-shirts. It was in your Taco Bell. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you should have seen my lunch table. Like I was in. I, I said earlier I was in eighth grade. I think I was in like sixth grade when this came out. But it was every day just talking about episode one, how excited we were for it, which characters are going to be cool. Then after we saw it, just talking about how much we loved it. Because believe it or not. Everybody my age loved that movie when it came out. Yeah. Don't lie and say you didn't. And we were all talking about, you know, which who's which character from the movie and like having that sort of fun. And yeah, no, absolutely. Luckily, everybody voted. I would be Darth Maul, which I'm still proud of. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But, so, uh, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, and then uh, the movie. Look, at the end of the day, I love that movie. It's a little bit of a biased opinion because I'm such a Star Wars fan. I'm such a huge fan of Star Wars. But there's a genius to the storytelling. There's a genius to what it was. And even though, like, look, regardless of me having a biased opinion and loving Star Wars, I know it's not perfect. Yeah. But even though I can look at its faults and I can look, I can praise it for what it is, we all knew as fans, even though we were upset about it, the things that those fans were upset about, they all knew that this is the beginning of a three-part story. And no one went in going, 
oh my gosh, they're gonna, they totally ruined Star Wars. They knew they had two more films left in that story, and here we go. It's not like The yeah. Last Jedi backlash where everyone went, wait a minute, there's one more movie. This is the middle of the story. Yeah. No one said that except for me. I feel like I was <laughs> the one guy screaming, hey, hold on, guys. <laughs> this is the middle part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this movie, it holds a real special place in my heart. This is the 20th anniversary for it. I did recently rewatch it. It's such a phenomenal film. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I think um, I kind of... And the more I watch it, the more I like it. That's the thing. Like, it, it, it's aging really well. Yeah. I, uh, I I feel, like, pretty nostalgic sometimes about, like, when the prequels were coming out and the excitement that was around them. And I think it's kind of similar to uh, the Marvel movies now, like, how people get really excited and everybody has to go, like, opening night. And I love that sort of thing. But for the prequels, like, we didn't have, like, Thursday night, 7 o'clock showings opening weekend. No, we if had you want, midnight yes, showing. If you wanted to see it right away, you had to go to a midnight showing. And that so kind that of... Meant thir- that meant Friday morning, 12 yeah. at 12.01 a.m. Mm-hmm. There so. was, like, a, a weeding out of, like, the people who wouldn't stay up that late, and it was, like, only the true fans showing up at midnight. And it was, like, I remember, a really cool phenomenon in that way. So... I remember when we went and my wife and I were dating at the time episode three came out and I remember I got tickets. I'm like, you're coming with, right? She goes, yes. So I got, I made sure she had a ticket and I'm like, we're all meeting at the theater at nine 30. And she's like, the movie doesn't start till midnight. And I'm like, yeah, but the, we're going at nine 30. And she didn't like, she had no idea. And I go, you don't understand. This is star Wars. You need to be there early. Yeah. We show up. There's like two people sitting in line. My friend, most of my friends hadn't gotten there yet. It looks like everyone was getting out of the cars. There's two people standing in line waiting for the movie. She's like, I can't believe we're here this early. Within 10 minutes of us standing in the line, the line wrapped around the building. <laughs> yeah. Midnight showing. Like, we're not getting into the theater till midnight. Wrapped out, out the door and around the building. Absolutely insane. That's I, what movies were. There was no buying pre-reserved seats. Like you, do, you know what I mean. We're not oh, yeah. fighting websites. You had to get there to get the ticket to get in line. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how it was. I think that's the definition of a blockbuster, right? The line. That's that. The that block. might be. That, <laughs> Did we ever look that up? But <laughs> um, I, I can, but I yeah. think that 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 might be a weird kind of a ver- uh, no, definition. I, I just, I just said that because I know we talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. But yeah, I just. I miss those days a little bit. I, I do. You know what? I do miss the days where you had to go, oh, we got to get to the theater, and we're standing in line for yeah. hours for this thing. Um, so how about this? That was your number three pick. Yes. Let's move to my number two, which was Star Wars Episode One. The okay, Menace. cool. Um, so surprise, surprise, it did not make my number one, but Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So yeah. now I'm, I'm really curious what and, your number and one is. And we've said it. We've talked a lot. So... Uh, Let's jump back to your number two. My number two favorite movie this year is Fight Club. All right. So this is a movie that I think this movie, I think nowadays it gets a little bit of a bad rap. And I think it's a little bit unfair because (laughs) people, I think they like to take this movie and they like to uh, dumb it down to just be like, oh, it's just a bunch of like idiots fighting each other. And the person who says that didn't watch the movie exactly and they or watched the movie and clearly didn't pay attention (laughs) right on and i kind of like i don't like that because there is so much like meaning it put into this movie um but also besides that like i think the movie it 
it's not this, on the same level as the Matrix, what I was talking about before, but there's a lot of, like, hidden little, like, tidbits in the movie. Like, when you see, like, flashes of uh, Brad Pitt's character at certain points in the movie, like, wow, early on. Wow, that's almost on spoiler like, territory. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it was, but, uh, but, yeah, just, like, little, there's, like, a lot of little, like, kind of intricate hidden things in there that I think is, makes it really cool, too. So, Fight Club is a movie that made you look at the world differently. Very yeah. heavily mm-hmm. made you look at the world differently. I remember walking out of Fight Club just completely like, like you, you, the movie's called Fight Club, so you think it's a movie about fighting, and then you go into the movie and it is not at all. Yeah. Like yeah, there's fighting, but it is not at all what you think the movie's about based on the title. Yeah. And uh, the 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 book by Chuck Palahniuk, it's um. It's just as good if you've never read the novel. I, I suggest reading it, but I definitely suggest watching the movie because there's some things that they just did so well on screen. But it made you look at, I mean, those lines were, you know, Brad Pitt's like, you know, you should just let the chips fall where they may. You know, you're not the contents of your wallet. You're not your khakis. You're not your driver's yes. license. You're, you know what I mean? You are not a beautiful and unique snowflake. <laughs> you're a part of this machine that the world's created. And, yeah. You know, there's so much things in there that make you just think differently on a philosophical level, on an intelligence level, on, it's just, you just look at things different. And yeah. you're just like, wow. And, and then even like, even though this is like a lesser thing, like just on a lifestyle level, like how do you lead your life? Are you a consumer or are you somebody who doesn't care as much about consumerism? Like, do you care about all this stuff? Like your, all your Ikea furniture that in the long run don't really matter. Right. And I love all those like little things. And it's messed up because I'm a big collector. And I look at that movie and then I go, man, do I really need all this stuff? Well, yeah, because yeah. I'm going to keep buying it. But it, again, do I really need anything, any of this stuff? Can I actually live without it? You know what I yeah. mean? It's a completely different way of looking at life as a whole. And it's really interesting when they're talking about, because once they actually start the fight club and he's like, yeah, we just started looking at life differently and we start sizing men up like all the time. Like we're always <laughs> sizing people up for a fight and stuff. And then they move from fight club to project mayhem. And again, yeah. when they move into the project mayhem aspect, again, they're, you're looking at life differently because you just, you know, and the movie's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's sad. It's, it, it's such an, a compelling story. Um, Yeah. Um, I have a funny kind of relationship with this movie because I had never seen it. Like, this came out, I was in sixth grade, this movie was rated R. Like, there's no way I was going to see it at the time. So I hadn't seen it for years. And uh, I ended up over the years finding out about, you know, the twist. Like, I found out all the twists. I, or not all of them, but I knew the big one. Like, the big major twist yeah. in the movie I knew about. And so the movie was technically telling our listeners that if you've never seen Fight Club, telling you there's a twist. Well, (laughs) that's kind of a spoiler. Anyways, but at any rate, so I'm so sorry if I'm like no, 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 no. no. But the big moment. But my point is like it was ruined for me. And then uh, while I was in college, I had a friend um, who said something about Fight Club, and I was like, I've never. I've never seen this, or I've never seen it before, and they're like, oh, well, you got to read the book. So I borrowed the book, and I read through it, and uh, I, like I said, I knew a big thing that was going to happen, but I actually really enjoyed the book, and I really enjoyed that, I guess, seeing all the intricate hints at what was going to happen and seeing that unfold, I actually thought was really cool. And then I watched the movie, and I enjoyed that a lot, too, and I just liked that even though I had a huge thing spoiled for me, I still ended up liking this movie a ton. And uh, I think this movie made me really appreciate uh, 
David Fincher as a director. Um, like I've mentioned, some of his other movies, like Zodiac, I think's amazing. I think a lot of his yeah, other stuff Social is good. Network Seven. Yeah. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Benjamin Button, but we can talk about that a different day. I'm not but, a big uh, fan of Benjamin Button either, but David yeah. Fincher was attached, so I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unless you have more to say, we could go into your next. Uh, pick. So we we I, we can blow up. We could do a whole show on Fight Club <laughs> if we really wanted to. But um, this uh, this was my number one. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I was I, really confused. At, at, when the, I said, at the end of the day, yeah. I don't think, and it sucks because that was where I thought we were going to match. Yeah, because we've talked about Fight Club in previous episodes very briefly, and I'm like, we're totally going to match on our number one, which is fine. Yeah. So now I'm real curious what your number one is. Um, but oh. when I look at all the movies this year, there was not one movie more influential to me as a person, to me thinking like. On a mental level, on a spiritual level, on on emotional level, there wasn't one movie that was more prevalent than Fight Club. That okay, year. and that's cool. why that's the reason it makes yeah. number one. So, um, oh, my, go ahead. So, what's your number one? <laughs> my number one is actually The Matrix. So oh, well, there we go. I blew that up like crazy, but uh, yeah, I just in in a similar way, like this movie really influenced me and how I view the world and how I view entertainment and i've already said so many things about it i love the all the intricacies of the movie i love what the movie is trying to say we almost matched this time but we didn't but uh you know when you first said that i was expecting phantom menace to be your first one so um, no i didn't i didn't honestly i didn't expect you to pick that i thought you were gonna pick fight club as your first so right um and to be honest like when i started looking up movies i knew the three movies in my top three were going to be up there. Like, I knew these are my top three. I'm not sure if I've decided on the order of them yet, but these are my top three. And then from there, it was hard to narrow down the rest. But Yeah, okay, so it's my pick for next week, yes. right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a goofy one. You're always coming up with weird lists to do. Okay, cool. My turn for a weird one. So, and we've been talking a lot of movies lately, so we're going to shift gears and do television. Okay. Okay. <laughs> This is a two-part list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Five television series that you want to guest star on. Cool. And what are you doing on the show? So if you want to be like, so let's say, for example, you watch the show The Flash and you really want to be Cisco for an episode, that's fine. Okay. Or B, if you want to be a new character, what is it and how are you in the show? But you have to be a guest supporting character role. Okay, I like so, it. And if it's animated, it's animated. So if you want to be a guest star on Rick and Morty, great. Um, that's you know right. what I This mean. is going to be really fun. So, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so this is just, I just thought, let's be a little creative and go from oh, there. See, this is, a, this is like, this list sounds so fun, but I also have no idea what I'm going <laughs> to pick yet. Yeah, I, awesome. I thought of this the other day, and I'm like, oh, that would be a really funny episode to do. Uh, that's We're going to be a little creative and kind of let those juices flow a little bit while we like be really weird and come up with some bizarre stuff so yeah this could be a fun like we could be making episodes of television series and hopefully and studios could be completely <laughs> ripping this idea oh yeah definitely because i have one in my head that i was like because when i came up with the list there was one that crossed my mind and i'm like wow that's a really interesting take <laughs> on this trope you yeah. know what i mean so oh that's cool um oh what was i gonna say okay so the other crazy aspect of this list is, like, you could pick shows that you hate and either appear on them to destroy the show or make it better. So that's, like, an interesting take you could take as well. But I think most of mine are going to be shows I actually truly love. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to see what shows Peter and I want to guest star on and what supporting <laughs> role we would take. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't want you to go, well, I'd be on Smallville and I'd be Superman. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's why I was like, it's got to be a supporting role. It's got to okay. be a guest star spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we close uh, this out? Yeah, I think we're good. We okay. did We did a year. Very cool. Yeah, we did a year. <laughs> yeah. One year. Again, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to Ryan and Brian, our behind-the-scenes guys. Peter, thank you for joining me along on this adventure for the Definitely. past year. Yeah. As we move into, hopefully, many more years to come. Um, please check us out at our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. You will also find links to, you'll also find the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. If you want to interact with the show, send us your emails. Not only would we like to read them, but if you have any suggestions for lists we do, they'd be great. Hopefully our listeners will start sending us lists so we don't necessarily <laughs> have to come up with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, that's one of the hardest parts week to week. Like, oh, it's my pick. I got to come up with a list. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to us. If you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode. You can also rate us. We love five-star reviews, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say sound important. Um, so uh, for me, I'm, my name's Drew. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and uh, that's where you'll hear me say things like the first rule of Uno Club is you can't stack draw twos and draw fours in Uno Club. <laughs> All right, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next time.